Is that dinner time or are we going to... Okay. I'm getting used to all the signals around here. I was asked to share my testimony. And I, I can't think of a better thing I would love to do than share my testimony with you. Uh, this being Communion Sunday, it's a tradition here to share testimonies, and I would love to do that with you today as well. Uh, matter of fact, and I've already begun, I'm going to be coming around to each one of you sooner or later and say, tell me about the day that you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I've already pinned a few people down, and I've heard some wonderful stories and great changes in life. Because it's about being born again and the change that transforms your life. Uh, some of you might be familiar with this. It comes from John chapter 3. Anybody read that section of the Bible? One or two of you? So Jesus uh, met with a man called Nicodemus in John chapter 3, chapter 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi... We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs and doings of if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, Verily, verily, truly I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus said, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear it sounds, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Most of us go to John 3.16 and forget that section. And it's a really important section. And it's at the beginning of my story. I'm, uh, I'm John. I, I've been John my whole life. And uh, my father uh, was a pastor and still is an ordained minister of the Church of God. He's 92 right now. And he, he is praying for you today. He's so proud of his son. And he is going to be listening to this. That's why I'm mentioning it, because he's listening to this. And uh, anxious to hear this later on after this recording is posted. And uh, I grew up in my father's house with, uh, f there were five of us. I was the youngest and the cutest until my uh, oops sister came along. And then I got bumped from that. And uh, no longer the special child I was before. But my mother loved me, and uh, we were a great family. I had a great time. And we always went to church, and my father would comb my hair and slick it down with all sorts of water and grease or whatever and make my cowlicks to stay down. And then we'd go off to church and sit in a row. And if I was fidgeting and not behaving myself, my older sister would brave me with quarters if I would sit still and not bother everybody. And uh, that was church growing up. Uh, learned the Ten Commandments from uh, an old dairy farmer, uh, Mr. Munson. He would, when we were, you know, junior high boys, this is what you do. You make them memorize the Ten Commandments because they really need it, <laughs> especially around 10, right? 
here are the commands. You've got to obey them or God will get you. And we all had to have them memorized and be able to recite them back. And for some reason, I was having a real problem memorizing the Ten Commandments. And Mr. Munson would have me on his farm on the weekends, mucking out barns. Do you know what a mucking out a barn is? And dealing with the cattle and the cows. And during all that, he was drilling at home. And what was the Tenth Commandment? What is the Sixth Commandment? And until I just drove it home and I could recite the Ten Commandments. And so I learned that and got the impression that a Christian, a person who goes to church like I'm doing and grew up in the church and everything else, it's about keeping the commandments. It's about doing what is right, being a good boy, doing, you know, whether you got paid 25 cents or not, doing what is right. And so I try to be a real good boy and do everything correctly. And then uh, as I grew up uh, in my junior high years, I encountered something I never expected. Uh, we went to a thing called a uh, camp meeting. You know what that is? Uh, in uh, Camrose, where I grew up, we had a drill hall. Uh, it was left over from World War II. It's where they did drills, the soldiers did. They left behind uh, cafeterias and dormitories and so on. And uh, the church would gather from all over the provinces to Camrose, to that drill hall. We'd pack it out. There were a lot of people there. And uh, we would have services three times a day, especially evening service. And, uh, of course, being preacher's kid, I had to go. We all went. Great music and a lot of people and so on. And I did what all junior high boys do. I went to the back, sat up in the bleachers and doodled and did things in my notebook. And I watched what they were doing, and I thought, well, this is just church just on a grander scale. But there was a lot, you know, camp meeting music was different than church music. I don't know what it was. Yes, there's a nod. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, I thought it was really great. I'm talking about camp meeting like an old-fashioned thing. And when I went there, I would remember the old-timers say, oh, this camp means nothing like it used to be when we had sawdust trails and canvas. Now we're in this building, and as if it had taken the spiritual aurora away. We had a man by the name of Dr. E. Eugene Sterner from the Church of God Movement in the United States. He had come up to be our speaker uh, over that week and was preaching every night. He was a great speaker, very entertaining. And then uh, we're going to wrap it up on a Sunday, and there was a Saturday, and there was a Friday. And uh, on the Thursday night meeting, uh, something different took place. There was an altar call given at the end, and uh, the invitation was given, and they were singing, Just As I Am. And I felt weird. I, I felt like I'm supposed to respond and go forward and do whatever they do and accept Christ and do all that. And he said, but I'm, I'm a preacher's son. I'm already in the kingdom. I've been in the kingdom my whole life. Why do I need to go do that? And yet I felt sick to my stomach. I felt sweaty in my forehead that this was important for me to do. And I was shaking. I said, you know, if I just hang on, it'll just go away. And I won't have to deal with this again. So I did. I hung on and by gum it passed. The service ended and I said, I was done with that. I don't have to deal with that again. So then Friday night rolled around and, and uh, the, I started hearing more of the message than I heard last time about the need to repent of your sins and receive Christ as your Savior if you're going to be saved and go to heaven and avoid the judgment that is to come. And I 
that started started making sense to me, and I don't remember when I had done that, but I knew there had to be a clause for the sons of preachers. That, that somehow you got through, and I was waiting for the minister to say, all of you need to repent of your sins except John because he's the son of a preacher. <laughs> but he never said it. And then the invitation was given and the music was playing just as I am. The world behind me, the cross before me. Do you know that song? And I felt that, that feeling again. I didn't know what to call it. Later on, the, I learned it was called conviction. And I didn't know what it was, but I felt like, here they go. They're going off, those sinners. I said, man, if I did that, everyone will think I'm a sinner. If I go up there, they'll think I'm a sinner. And they'll say, oh, Pastor John's, and yet, I mean, uh, Pastor Jarvis's son, John, is a sinner. He's going for look at him. He needs to repent of his sins. I wonder what he did. I thought that's what everyone think. I thought I'd bring shame to my family if I did that. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bring disgrace on myself or my family or be embarrassed. And I, man, I was sick to my stomach. The sweat was rolling on me. It was worse than the first night on, on the Thursday. But I knew it passed last time. <laughs> so I hung onto my chair and I held on. And sure enough, it passed. I survived it. <laughs> I started dreading the next night. So Saturday night rolls around. Dr. E. Eugene Sterner really was heated that day. I don't know what it was about Saturday night, but he really went at it. <laughs> and uh, I knew what was coming. And sure enough, it started coming on. And I could feel that conviction again. But I felt something, I heard something I hadn't heard before. And I said, I was having a conversation with God, and I said, God, what have I got to repent of? I, I haven't lived long enough to do anything really bad. I've, I've grown up in churches where testimony nights uh, where people would talk about, I was once a drunk and the Lord saved me from alcohol. I murdered people and now I've been forgiven. And I'm a preacher's kid. I, I don't get away with anything. I grew up in the church and, and everybody was watching me 24-7. I mean, I couldn't do anything without everyone knowing about it. I, we grew up in a small enough community that if you did something on one side of town before you got home, it was already known and discussed. And there was no hiding anything. I didn't have a chance to do anything really bad, like most preachers' kids. I, and what am I going to repent of? And, and as I was talking to the Lord, he said, John, he said, I asked you to come forward twice now to declare me as your Savior, and you said no to me twice. I don't know what you've done or how bad things you've done in your life, but there is no greater sin than denying Jesus Christ. Would Peter tell you that? Would Paul tell you that? To say no to him. And to, I don't, we all have kinds of reasons to say no to Christ. There's only one good reason to say yes, and that's because he asks you and you need him desperately. And I realized I was turning Christ away. Now, I'm not too smart. It might take me a while, but I realized this was not going to end until I gave in and said, all right. But I was afraid, and I was afraid of this. Because I knew that if I made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, that it won't be just to be forgiven. It would be to turn my whole life over to him 
and he would be in charge. And that scared me because I just knew he would have me do something I didn't want to do. Send me places I did not want to go. And I would not be in control of my life. And yet that's what he wanted. Then they started singing that song again. The world behind me, the cross before me. I'm not, not worrying about what anyone else thinks, but just because of my commitment to Christ. And I left the back bleachers and I walked all the way to the front, to the prayer room off to the side. I knelt down at a chair, an old metal folding chair, and I was just bawling. I was just crying. And a guy came up to me and threw his arm around me and he said, uh, what can I help you with? What do you want to pray about? I couldn't get words out. I didn't know what to say. I, I was just confused by the whole thing. And he said, would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? And I just went like this because I didn't, <laughs> yeah. And then he said, well, would you say these words after me? And I said, okay. And he led me in the sinner's prayer, and I repeated the sinner's prayer after him. And when it was done, the room grew brighter. I felt lighter. Something had changed. I didn't know what it was, but it wasn't the same. And the, my eyes were starting to dry out, and I looked over, and there was my sister throwing her arms around me with tears in her eyes. And my, this is in a family of five, she was my uh, older but the closest to me in age. And what I had found out is that stinker of my sister had been praying for me since Thursday night <laughs> that I would come forward and receive Christ as my Savior. It was all her fault. <laughs> Everything I went through. And I was so grateful for what she put me through. I was born again. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know the implications of what it meant, but I had been born again. We have a new baby back there, don't we? Does that baby have any idea what this means? No idea at all. Do your parents have any idea what this means? It, it is to begin... You have no idea what is around the corner when you're beginning. I remember Sunday rolled around and camp meeting got together on Sunday morning and we started worshiping. And it was the first time ever that I had worshiped after being born again. And I felt a powerful presence. I was fourth row from the front, not in the bleachers in the back. And I worshiped for the first time in my life. I had no idea what worship was till that moment. Because the Spirit of God was in me now. And I felt connected to these people that were worshiping like I had never felt connected before. And I, and I kept looking around. Are they feeling what I'm feeling? <laughs> what is this? It was something beyond us that was in the room. I was stunned and I was amazed. The person who led me in the sinner's prayer asked me to do two things. He said, before you go home tonight and go to bed. I want you to go and tell someone else what you, the decision that you made this evening before you go to sleep. And I did. I had shared that with 
someone else before I had done that. So to confirm that I had confessed with my mouth and I had bore witness in front of other people. And the scripture says that when you do that, that uh, Christ stands up and starts bragging about you in heaven, right? Before the Father, if you will confess him before others. I'm so glad I had wise people leading me in the Lord back then. And then they said, start opening the Bible and reading it. I've been around the Bible my whole life. I had the Ten Commandments drilled into my head so I could remember them by a dairy farmer. And, and, uh, but when I opened the Bible for the first time after receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, I prayed just like they taught me to pray, and then I read. And I began to understand what made no sense to me before when I started reading the Word of God. When I started reading it with the Holy Spirit, it was suddenly like, oh, wow. Oh, wow, look at that, as I read through the Scriptures. And I was amazed at what was there again. Jesus said, you must be born again. That you can't enter, you can't understand, and you can't comprehend the kingdom of God unless you are born again. I'm always marveled about that because as I look back on the day I received the Lord Jesus Christ, I realized there was a lot of things I did not understand or comprehend I had no grasp of, but it changed everything on that day. It was the beginning of my understanding. And I also realized this, because I'm a bit of an intellectual. I like to understand everything ahead of time. I like to have everything measured out and all the consequences laid out and a good plan and everything else. But that's not what it was like when I was born again. I had to make a leap of what they call faith into something I did not know and did not understand. And it's just simply answer the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it wasn't until I was born again that I understood it. Nicodemus was a scholar and he never understood it because you can't find it in just study of scripture. You've got to put your faith in it and answer the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can't answer the call until you are also convicted of your own sin and your own need for a savior in your life. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things? Verily, truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, we testify of what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. I uh, began to realize uh, as I grew up in the Lord and I wanted my faith uh, to be real and not artificial and pretend. And in high school, um, I tested my faith. Oh, I love my parents dearly, but I tested them too. And what I did is uh, I would tracked down, this was like the 70s. Remember the 70s? And there were groups like Moonies and Hare Krishnas, and they were all over the news, cults were. And what I thought is, well, if what I have is real and what I'm reading in the Word of God is real, I should be able to take these people on and hold my ground. And so I did. I chased them down. I hung out at the Kingdom Hall with the Jehovah Witnesses. I argued with Mormon missionaries. I but to this day, my dad is still getting called from the Kingdom Hall and Jehovah Witnesses because I would go to their services and sit in the middle aisle and I took them on. And what I found out was what I have in Christ and the Word of God is a powerful thing. It's effective. And you can't find it any other place. I've looked. I've, 
I've taken all those groups on and I've contended with the gospel with them. And what I also found out is you cannot argue anyone into the kingdom of God. I've tried. <laughs> Failed every single time. You can't argue them. Now, you can explain it and everything else, but I'm going to tell you this. Before you're saved, it won't make sense. The kingdom of God does not make sense before you are born again. It only makes sense after you're born again. Because, as the scripture says, and as Jesus said, if you're of the flesh and if you just have a soul and a body, you don't have the equipment to grasp and to understand spiritual things. Jesus said, I'm here and I'm teaching you. I'm the Son of God himself and I'm teaching you. That's a fairly effective teacher, right? The Son of God. You would think he would be effective, but they wouldn't understand. If the measurement of being a good teacher is that the student understands, Jesus failed because they didn't comprehend. And they had PhDs too. It isn't with your brain that you comprehend. It is with another organ. It is with your spirit. And it is dead until you are born again. What born again means is your spirit comes alive with the gift of the Holy Spirit placed within it. And when it comes alive, it comes with understanding. And that understanding begins with the conscience, to know what is right and wrong in the eyes of God. Do you know what is right and what is wrong with the eyes of God? If you're like me, I've always argued with God about what is permissible and what is not permissible. Well, the Scripture says, and I would follow it through. This is a toxic church for me, I've got to tell you. It's because you have a coffee machine. And that coffee machine, I was a college professor at one time, and uh, you would drink a lot of coffee as you talked with students. And then uh, on the way from uh, Canada to the United States to Medford, Oregon, uh, we were wayfaring at my aunt's place, and I was having a shower, and I often talk to the Lord in the morning, especially when I'm showering, and I heard God tell me, the Holy Spirit tell me, John... I want you to quit coffee. I said, excuse me. No more coffee for you. But I like coffee. What's wrong with coffee? Nowhere in scriptures does it say, thou shalt not drink coffee. And the Holy Spirit says, I don't care. Just, you're done. No more coffee for you. I'm not going to give you an explanation. Just stop. All right. So I go downstairs and tell my wife, no more coffee for me. I'm done. And she said, excuse me? Because that meant no more coffee for her. And she <laughs> said, yeah. I said, Why? Because the Lord told me to stop. Why? I don't know. She just said, stop. So I stopped. Uh, that day I had a terrible headache. The next day I had a terrible headache. I had a terrible headache for three months. And at the end of the three months I said, oh, maybe that's why he asked me to stop drinking coffee. I, only after three months or so, I began to realize I had developed a dependency on the, the caffeine in the coffee to get going in the day rather than relying on God himself. It had become a thing between me and God. And God is a jealous God, and he wasn't going to share me with anybody, right? Even with caffeine. And, so he, and I didn't know it until he said, stop, and I obeyed. And then after the fact, I go, oh, that's what's going on. This is what faith is. You don't know it till after the fact. You don't know who Jesus Christ is 
freely until after you've received him by faith. And then you go, oh, that's who he is. I've been doing that pretty much my whole life. I've got a dented forehead because I do a lot of this. <laughs> do you? I said, oh, that's what that means. And it's usually after the fact that the Lord leads me through. But it is by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you can't understand the things of the kingdom unless you are born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of the light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil and hates the light will not come into the light, for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. We quote John 3.16, and we usually leave out 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, because it talks about condemnation. And really what it comes down to is, have you received the Lord, or have you rejected him? To preach the gospel is a dangerous thing because it's an invitation to receive Christ and to say no to it is to bring condemnation on yourself. To say yes to it is to receive the light and the gift of the Spirit and to be born again. The light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil and they were afraid it would be exposed. There is a reason why the people that Jesus spoke to could not understand or comprehend what he taught it. And that was because evil makes you stupid. Sin blinds you from seeing what the truth is. Sin is, uh, the very nature of it is based on a lie. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free because it exposes the lie. It's the lie that holds you back. It's the truth that moves you forward. And the truth is Jesus Christ himself. And no one wants the evil exposed. No one wants their faults and failures exposed. But as we learned in communion, if you give those to God, they become marvelous things in his hands. There have been countless examples from Peter to Paul to Chuck Colson and many others to this guy in front of you that the things that are not so good become incredible in the gifts of God as he transformed what is wrong with us into ministries and ways of touching other lives, which only God can do, so that we can see that what has been done has been done in the sight of God, that God forgives and transforms lives. You won't hear that message anywhere else in the world. I've gone, I've looked, and I've argued with them. It's only in Christianity you have this offer, this offer of transformation. I found it in junior high, and I found it again today, and I find it every day. For all things become new. This is the day that who has made? What will we do with it? 
You're all biblical scholars. I love it. That's right. I will rejoice and be glad in it because God has nothing but good for me. I will trust the Lord in all things and I'll walk by him by faith. Do you do that too? You took communion this morning. You declared before this body, before God and this assembly that you are one of his. God bless you for that step of faith. And we pray that he will take us all into his glorious kingdom every day. Open our eyes so that we might see more than we've ever seen before. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to close with a prayer. Almighty Father, we thank you for the transformation that occurs when one person kneels before you and admits what everyone knows, that we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We even sin. We even defy you. And yet, Lord, you still love us. You loved us so much, you died on the cross and bore the price of death so that we wouldn't have to. That we might knew a new life, that you poured out your spirit so we could be born again. I thank you for every brother and sister here today that is born again, that knows and shares this joy with me, who wants to eagerly tell me their testimony and wants to share it with others too. For Lord, when we do so, you are thrilled and you are excited with your people. Lord, we could talk about you all day long and what you accomplished in our lives. This day, Lord, I pray for your blessing on each and every one, that they might know that presence again and then fresh this day, they, that they would know the kingdom of God, that their eyes will be opened to see an even greater kingdom than they have ever dreamed, to see angels and to see the very presence of God in our midst. To open the word and say, oh, that's what it means. That you would speak a word to them. If there's anyone here today that does not know what it is to be born again, that is hearing this and wonders what is it all about and it's all a mystery, I pray, oh God, that they would not leave this place without seeking out an elder and saying, would you tell me how to be born again? Lord, we thank you for this great gift. And we thank you for this fellowship that we're built on and this kingdom that grows every day. We pray that as we move forward from this place, so will the kingdom with us, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you, folks. If anyone wants to talk with me or um, about struggles or spiritual matters, not about your dogs or your cats or anything like that, We can talk about those things. I'll hang around up here in front for a while. But God bless you and go with you. Amen.